And just like that, Rob Nestor, we're live. Hello, Ralph. Hello, my friend. It's so great to see you again. How are how is everything? How are you doing? What's going on? Stay, staying busy. Uh, summertime. We're getting uh, a lot of schools ready. Looking forward to September. And uh, now is our busy season. I was going to say, you know, we always, every industry has a different busy season. And summer's got to be the busy season when you work in schools, right? Because it's all tearing it apart, restripping and finishing all the floors. Right. Getting all the gum off the desks. Everything. It's, um, it's, it's basically picture uh, deep cleaning um, a, a, a resident room. But we're, we're doing, we're deep cleaning a... Um, a classroom. Yeah. Taking everything out of the room. Um, and it, we work hand in hand with the maintenance department, which will come in and repatch the classrooms, do electrical work or make any changes that are needed. So, you know, that, which can hold us up from time to time. <laughs> maintenance. Damn maintenance. <laughs> let's, let's go all the way back though. I, I really like to just start in the beginning. Where, where did you grow up? Grew up in uh, Philadelphia. Oh, so you're, you're, you've never left Pennsylvania. Well, we we left, um, I left probably in, it was seventh grade, went to Hamilton, New Jersey. Oh. And then from, and then from there, graduated Hamilton High School. And now you're back in Pennsylvania? No, back in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh, I, I, for some reason, I kept thinking you were in Pennsylvania. Maybe just because all your business is in Pennsylvania or a lot of your business. Do you have business in Pennsylvania? Am I making this up? <laughs> Tri-state area. Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware. All right. So you graduate high school. Did you work during high school? Did you have like a summer job or night school or anything? Yeah. Or night job? Um, I, I worked. Actually, I worked on blueberry farms. From there, I worked at, uh, did a little retail, worked in the casino industry, parking cars, Really? Uh, always worked. <laughs> when, well, how old were you when you first got your when you got your first job? Were you like 15, 16? Uh, well, first legal job was probably 14. Uh, prior to that, when I lived in uh, Philadelphia, we would uh, sell pretzels on the corner. And You're not the first person to tell me about selling pretzels in Philadelphia. Like, that's a legit kid job. Yes. I yeah. had... I did not have that experience. And thank God I'd be the size of a house because I love me a big soft pretzel. <laughs> right. right. I think it was one of those, it was it kind of like one of those things where they gave you however many pretzels and you had to sell so many. You would, you would actually, we would have to walk. Um, we'd walk down to seventh um, and federal Philadelphia. Um, there was a pretzel factory there and you would pay, I think it was a hundred dollars or excuse me, a hundred pretzels for $10 and you would sell the pretzels, you know, 20 cents each or 25 cents each and five for a dollar. Wow. Basically just double your money. And that was your spending money. I had a paper route when I was a kid and it was, it was not that easy to make money on a paper route as it seemed right. to be selling pretzels. I'd have done much better with selling pretzels. Well, I had that also. Oh, you had a paper route too? <laughs> I had a Philadelphia Daily News, and back then you were responsible for actually collecting the money as well with the paper so, route. So was I, and that's where my challenge came in because 
the people in my neighborhood simply wouldn't answer the door. You know, they, they pulled right. the whole Halloween thing on me. You know what I mean? They don't want to give candy to the kids. So they to pretend they're not there. Right. Right. It's how I, I always got screwed on that collecting money. It turns out it never ends. Nope. It nope. never ends. It's always been a challenge. So that's pretty awesome that, so, I mean, because we're going to get into it, you're a full blown entrepreneur. You've owned your own business for a long time, but you started really early on learning the ropes about getting sales, collecting money. Yes. Yes. And then um, probably I want to say around 91 in the early nineties, I learned, I was, uh, I liked working in nightclubs and I was like a nightclub promoter. And back then there was no social media. So when you wanted to get people into the club, you would actually have to print a print a flyer, bring it to the beach down in Wildwood and circulate it. And then that night people would come to the club and you would get a percentage of the door money. Wow. So it's like we're, we're living parallel lives because I had the same experience, except I worked in radio. It was my first radio job, and I was I was working as a writer. So bad, I just wanted to be a writer in radio, a comedy writer. And right. they were like, hey, we're, we've got this promotion we're doing. So every Saturday, we go across the border to Canada and do this big show for for everybody. We, we try to bring as many Americans across the border to to this place and we get a percentage of the door and I'm like, all right, you know, so it was all the same thing, same thing. Right, right, right. Hype it up, but we'd use radio to hype it up, hype it up like mad and then, and try to bring as many people as possible to the show. You know, we, we used the club, they would use radio as well down here in South Jersey. And as you know, it's, uh, you have basically 12 weeks to make your money at the Jersey shore back then. And, uh, you know, it it was, it was fun and it was profitable. It's so great. All the different, you're like, when you look back on your life, I remember I worked at a grocery store and it's where I first started to learn about displays. And you start trying to figure out how to attract people's attention when they walk into a grocery store for a gallon of milk. And you're hoping that they also see the Budweiser display, right? (laughs) And it compels them to grab a new 30 pack, which was all the rage when I was, (laughs) <laughs> right working there you know so it's funny you kind of have that similar you know because you think about everything we do in business from sales marketing cold calling getting customers trying to get paid servicing a customer handling you know issues and problems we've been doing it since we were kids correct correct and the techniques and everything have evolved like every other business yeah, it's where, crazy you know back then we would hand out flyers on the beach or VIP cards and stuff like that. Now everything's social media. You know, you you make it, have an event and just click. <laughs> so. Agreed. Agreed. I still think, and I know I'm wrong, but I, so it's not that I think it's that I really like, I still like tactile marketing. I like flyers. I like, you know, banners. I like, right. I, I even make it as part of my effort when I'm recruiting staff. I still go to the grocery store and please post a sign, you know? Right. I, I agree. I And I think it works. I, I've tried so many different things with marketing, and I'm not afraid to continue to try new things. But, like, in my industry, I've learned what works 
and what doesn't work. In my industry, and we're in parallel industries, I've learned I have no idea what works and what worked yesterday might not work today, but it might work tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everything is on the table for me. Everything. I, I don't. I don't right. disregard anything. No, I. I think we definitely got to continue to um, try and develop new things. Try new things, and we. You can't knock something until you try it. So. Each industry, even though they are similar, um, like I, I know like when I'm marketing childcare centers under daycare cleaning services, I know if I send a letter out, it's going to go directly to the decision maker, which is the owner at the childcare center. And that's who's going to open up the mail. As opposed to if I send something to a school, a big school, you know, I have to kind of find out who the decision maker is going to be business administrator, principal, I just can't send it to anyone. Yeah. You know, I got to make sure that letter is going to work. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You know, that goes back to telemarketing. And are you, um, if I have the person's name and phone number, is it really telemarketing when I'm calling to say, hi, I'd like to just introduce myself. We're going to send something in the mail to your school. And if you could just keep it on file and, hey, we'd like to just introduce our company to you at some time, not look for the immediate sale. Yeah, that's important when you I make a lot of cold calls. Mm-hmm. I make cold calls every day. It's part of my routine. And and only because I know that what I suffer from and you might suffer from the same affliction or maybe to a lesser extent than I do is obscurity. People just don't know I exist. And they don't know what I offer. And so really it becomes a game or it becomes a challenge for me to get in front of the people who I want to get in front of. And so I cold call. I legit say, hi, I'm Ralph. This is what I do. Right. Reason I'm calling. I agree. I mean, it's not about making a sale. It's about, it's about producing well. I want people to be aware that I exist and what I do. Right. So when did you, when did you, let's, let's continue with the, with the historical aspect of Rob Nestor. Hey, when, when did you get into cleaning? Like what, what happened? How did you go from high school to, or college to cleaning? As, as you know, um, when you're working in the hospitality industry, you're a waiter, you're a busboy, you're bartending, you know, it's crazy hours and um, certain aspects, certain jobs are seasonal and it's, it's, so I was looking for stability and um, did have the opportunity to work at a Wawa. Very cool. <laughs> so, I mean, Wawa, they've evolved. Now there's gas stations. Oh, they Wawa. weren't? Back then, no. Oh, no, no kidding. So I did get some great people skills working for Wawa. But from then, um, my partner, person I made a partner, they introduced me to uh, long-term care. And that's where um, I was able to um, have a successful career. I, I worked um, long care, long-term care for HCSG. What, how old were you when you started for them? I was uh, 28 years old. Oh, so, so for a good chunk of your, you know, out of, out of high school, I know you went to college too. You weren't doing anything specific, just kind of meandering a little bit? It was between the casino, park, and car. I mean, here, here's the problem. When you're working in – back then, you're working in the casino industry. I'm parking cars. I'm making two, $300 a night. We're talking 
1990, 91. How do you want... How do you tell a 20-year-old kid, hey, uh, go work for $5 an hour somewhere? <laughs> so, um, you know, same, same with the bars, the restaurants. Uh, you know, it was a different, different time. Yeah. I think people have that same – I see that happening now where there's less than – I don't even know how to put it. I wanted to say, like, less than honorable, but certainly nefarious jobs, like jobs that – when you're 40, you're going to look back on and go, oh, I wish that wasn't still on the internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but right. right now to the 20-year-old, it's good money. And right. so, you know, to say any kind of, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you should think longer term, you know, to your point. Right. It's hard to, hard to have that argument. So um, anyway, I started uh, Long-Term Care 1998, took it real serious, uh, went they went from working at the Jersey Shore and going to Philadelphia, West Philadelphia. I ran uh, one of the biggest buildings they had, which was called Care Pavilion, 62nd and Walnut. And uh, got how big a, is that building? How, how many beds is it? Four, 400 beds. Yeah, 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 that's a big building. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a challenge, but we got them through uh, – It's back then, we got them – when I was there, we got them through a deficiency-free survey. Wow. Which was amazing. And uh, the person that gave me my opportunity there, I was actually, I went there as an assistant and the manager, he went to, um, went to Genesis, uh, he left for, he left for a uh, different uh, position. And then I think that person ultimately became a nursing home administrator. Started oh, out yeah. That's pretty common. That's common. Right. right. Yeah. So um, the administrator, wanted to give me a, give me the uh, opportunity. Nice. And, uh, she gave me the opportunity. It worked out great. I got them through the survey. Um, from there, I learned the industry. I was able to um, ex expand my knowledge and they were making me like an area manager from their district manager. And while all this was happening and we're talking, say, 2000 here i'm going to tell you what the change the game changer was yeah i'm working i'm working real hard for corporate america okay taking it all serious six seven days a week um not physically there but you know calling all your buildings on a saturday calling on a sunday uh not looking at the how much vacation i'm taking or anything like that you know pro company and I shared with you, they, you know, I was doing so good that they put me on their uh, corporate portfolio. <laughs> I know. That's pretty great. So you're already, I like this. So, I mean, I like everything about this story so far. I like that you're a corporate person. I, I too am a corporate guy, you know, I like, I'm not a clock watcher. I like that. I'm not. And, you know, I, what was happening. Okay. So what the game changer really, really was, was me and my wife. We, you know, we get married and we have a daughter. What, what year did you get married? 2000. And um, we have our daughter. And it's 2001. My wife, she she had a great job in the casino industry. And she was the breadwinner. Um, you know, I had the job. I was doing good. But she was, uh, she had the big job in the casino industry. And she would get done work at 7, 8 o'clock at night. And... Myself, I would be going in early, 7 a.m., 
and having to get back to um, pick up our daughter from childcare. And my wife said, you know, because we went to go look at like five or six childcare centers, and she was like, these places, uh-uh, I'm quitting. I'm not going <laughs> to put my child in here. So anyway, we found a nice place, and um, I had to pick our, our daughter up every day. So I had to leave the nursing home in Philly by 4.30, 5 o'clock, because childcare closes at 6. And my wife isn't going to get home till 8 o'clock at night. I, I seen that there was a need. Like, I would look at things the way we clean the long-term care facility and say, well, I could do the same thing. That's the way, that's the right way to clean. I would, I would go in and say, they're not using the right chemicals. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. I, and I would, I got to know the people. And then I finally, I, I realized also the price of child care, which back then it was, wasn't a lot, but to me it was, it was only, it was like six, $700 a month for yeah. three days a week. And I said, how am I going to do this? And, you know, that's when I started saying, I got to have a plan B because, um, you know, I don't know what, there was a lot of things changing in long-term care. I think uh, back then you had IHS, you had Manor Care, and you had like, I started to see where outside contractors would lose half their business and people would just be laid off. And like, I, I was like, I worked too hard. I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to go to work every day and be fearful that say Genesis or IHS is going to take back all their buildings and go in-house. I was like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I said to the owners, I said, look, can I clean the school? They said, no, we have somebody. Kept asking, can I clean the school? So you're talking about the owners of the school? Of the child care center. Yeah, I love this. Side hustle 101. Keep going. Right. So I kept asking, right? Never gave up at asking. And then I think it might have been like around like a February or a March. The cleaners never called, showed up. So I'm picking up my daughter and the owner's wife, and they didn't. These people built the shopping center. They didn't even want to be in the childcare industry. They built the shopping center, and this childcare center, which we'll get to in a little bit, what you know, it gets sold. So anyway, they uh, they said, "Can you clean?" I said, "Absolutely." I call up my wife. Get home. We got an emergency. She goes, "What? What? What?" I said, "Just get home. I got to go clean the school." Okay. Okay. Right. Picking up the baby. The baby. The baby just turned twenty-one over the weekend. Congratulations! The um, thank you. He lived. <laughs> <laughs> the baby. The baby's a little older now, but um, I started. Uh, I I cleaned the school, and um, so right out of the gate, you're cleaning. You're not hiring somebody. You're doing it yourself. I'm clean. I'm working all day in the yep. nursing home. Going picking up my daughter by six, feeding her because yeah. it's just me and my wife feeding her. My wife's getting home at eight. She would get home at eight. Now I would go clean four hours. Love this. Love this. Okay. Yeah. Great. Everything's going great. And I'm happy. I'm only charging them like a thousand a month. Love it. Okay. Come June, I go to the school. Well, I find out uh, Nobel Learning, which is Chesterbrook, is going to buy the school. And, uh, you know, I'm panicking. I'm thinking you're going to lose the contract. I'm losing. How often are you cleaning it, by the way? Is this every every night you're cleaning it? Every night. Back oh, wow. Okay. Then. So it's Monday to Friday. Yep. I'm cleaning it. You know, I never had my, this is like a real business now I'm turning. Yeah, in. sure. I love it. Yeah. But 
So, you know, Chesterbrook, they, Novo Learning, Chesterbrook, um, they take over and they, they want to, you know, I have to get them insurance. So now I got to go get insurance with the mom and pop that knew me. You know, it, things were different back then. So I have to go out, get the insurance. I'm like, damn, a thousand a month. How am I, you know, I'll make it work. So turns out I'm doing it for about a month. They're very happy that their district manager, who became a dear friend of mine, um, she actually likes to see the building. She likes what she sees. Okay. And I get a phone call. We have an emergency in uh, Cherry Hill, right? Can you handle it? And I'm at the nursing home, West Philly, but the person that keeps like walking back and forth, right? That's my, my partner. I said, Mike, go take care of this. <laughs> and uh, Mike runs over there and they're, they're really happy. Okay. But while all this is going on, um, you know, they still don't put all their eggs in one basket. So while all this is going on, um, I'm growing. People are starting to take notice. And I'm just working, doing this locally. Now I get a Goddard school that calls. Can you do our school, right? And, uh, you know, back then we didn't even advertise on the Internet. It was just word of mouth. So I signed the Goddard school. And the owner, we became friends and um you know i get that one now my mom i'm like who am i gonna get to clean i can't be both places <laughs> my mom she's working at a pharmaceutical company uh, around the corner from the goddard school she starts she takes it so she gets done 11 o'clock at night and she starts cleaning the school awesome 11 o'clock at night and i'm doing you know i'm over there but then eventually she brings her friend and they're both cleaning it till one of whole family's a bunch of hustlers. Right, right. So, uh, you know, and that's how I, I was based. I, I grew organically and slow. And then after about a year, what happened was, um, and we, we did this just for extra money at first. Um, I, I hear about the child care conference. And when you go in all these child care centers, they got the magazines and their other child care centers are advertising. And I get this thing, it's uh, Philadelphia Child Care, uh, it was called DeVacy, Delaware Valley Child Care Association. I said, well, I should do this. I, uh, you know, And everybody said, well, how are you going to do it? You don't have an exhibit booth. I still have the exhibit booth. It's right here, actually. It's a piece of poster board. Okay. <laughs> and I went to the school that I cleaned, and I took pictures with a Polaroid. Okay. And... My sister-in-law laminated them for me. We set this thing up and I still got the poster board and, you know, probably cost about maybe $10, $15. I was going to say $15 worth of advertising. <laughs> so that's how I did it. And then from there, I was there, like we used to do the conventions with the nursing homes, you know, all, you know, my suit, tie, shirt, sure. you know. And uh, people started noticing and they were coming over and they, I got my business cards made at Office Depot or something like that. And, uh, you know, I really didn't have brochures. I, I had letterhead, but I made uh, I made the letterhead and I also made uh, like portfolio packets. So and that and that was really one of the game changers that happened. And, uh, you know, that's what really took off. And then. We're, we're growing gradually, and I get my partner at the time, he was uh, working for a competitor. 
Ah. He was out in Indiana, but then afterwards he came here. And I'll never forget. I get this school. He's, I get, I, I'm reading the Daily News, and then in the back, because we didn't, when you had to search public bids, there was a there was a charter school being advertised, and I'm there with uh, one of my, my guy Steve, which whom I think you know, but anyway, he's he's the account manager, and I opened um, the newspaper and I said, "Wow!" and I called on my lunchtime, okay, and I said, "Can we get the bid information?" and in back. We could send it to you in the mail or you could pick it up. Places in Ben Salem. Anyway, we put a bid in. Okay. And back then, it wasn't a lot of red tape with these bids. So now we it's in. a monster to put a bid right. in. But yeah, they're, they're like this. Yeah. They're like this. They want everything and um, they want everything from financial statements, all, which is good and bad, but it's hard to start a company today. So we put it in. My partner that was with the company competitor at the time he's moonlighting with me he runs over there okay this is after we get it his company finds out and they give him the axe wow <laughs> i'm like here's the guy that got me the job and now i just got the guy you know fired without you know so he was okay i said don't worry we're not going we're not going to stop we're going to make this happen i'm still going to by me working in the daytime, that allowed me to have the money for payroll and keep the business going. And then I had a good guy, right? I have, I have a good guy doing the operations and going on all the emergencies and everything else that's happened. Now, keep in mind, in the beginning, our niche, we, we started out as daycare cleaning services. That's our niche with that company. But then we started getting uh, asked, can you do charter schools? Can you do special needs schools? And we, we did because we didn't want what was happening also was people were saying, oh, well, you only do daycare centers. We have a big school. I said, we could do a big school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That. Um, so eventually what we did was we formed another company called Education Facility Management. Okay. And that one is used to go after your K to 12 schools. So how long, how long, how long was it your, you know, quote unquote side hustle before you quit and well, just started doing it full time? How long, how long were you? It, it became, you know, it became full time before I left and um, May of 2004, that's when I left it was like right before Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, as, as you know, they let me go and I was in shock. I was like, because I always put them first. Yeah, they let you go, you know, just so we can go over this real quick. I don't want to hammer it, but I know the story. But they let you go basically because they didn't want you to do two things. They're like, right. you're either with us or you're doing something else, right? I, I think that's how what I today. I think that's kind of how most companies are, right? Like most companies. You know, today, I don't think you could do that. Back then, you, you, you could do. Yeah, get away with it. it was like a lot. They didn't want you to work at Home Depot on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Extra yeah. But, you know, it was a blessing in disguise because the next day I woke up and I said, I'm not going to stop. I've already built this to where we're doing 30 accounts on the side. And, um, you know, I don't want to stop. I want to turn this into something. And that year we um, our sales revenue, I think it was only. We we basically grew almost a million dollars in sales that year, in one year. 
after I left. So when I was able to leave, I was able to focus 100% on my side hustle, which became my livelihood. <laughs> and uh, and you did it in a very relatively short amount of time, right? I mean, you went from, uh, was this 2002 to 2004, basically? Uh, yeah, two, 2001, I was only doing one cleaning account. It was like an experiment. And then I started, you know, really getting in the other ones. But when I when I left in 04, I had about 30 accounts. And then I was what? able to- You grew by 30 accounts? Yes. Well, that's that, impressive. That's, that's hostile. But I was working a daytime job and I had, a, you know, a partner. So what do you have now? Like 8 million accounts? No. <laughs> I mean, with that kind no, of- we, we have, we have, you know, I'll, I have, we have a few things to get to or talk about. You know, you go up and you're still learning. And I wish I- knew about the BSCAI back then. I wish I knew about the ISSA. I wish I knew about these different organizations. Just like when I was a housekeeping manager, I wish I knew about the different groups that you belong to. Yeah, like IEHA, right? Yeah. yeah. I, for some reason uh, back then, I guess the companies, they were reluctant to take their managers to these different events. I think that's changed. But I don't. You know what's funny? Just as a side to that... I, when I first joined IEHA, the International Executive Housekeepers Association, right. for those who don't know, but I was the only person from long-term care. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I never met anybody from long-term care that was in that group. And the reason, and, and I'm just going to say it the way it really is, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. The reason is because, and I don't see it much changing right now, but uh, nursing homes just they simply don't spend money on educating their housekeeping directors. They just don't. You know, I, I just right. had a guy call me the other day, an owner of a nursing home, and he said, you need to do me a favor. I need somebody who knows floor care, who knows how to manage, who can manage nursing, who can manage this department, manage that department, also work, you know, 12 hours a day and work on Christmas, you know, like all these parameters. I want somebody who just knows everything. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I can do. I can help find you a good person for that. And then we can offer some ongoing training, not interested. I, I want somebody who already knows everything. I don't want to try. I'm not going to invest any money in their education. And that is the attitude, not on every nursing home, but in a lot of nursing homes, they just simply don't. In, that's why no, nobody from long-term care. That's why it's hard to find nursing home housekeeping managers in any association. Right. And a lot of them, people, what I've seen is, the, the successful ones that um, they're very hard to hold on to due to budgets, but they move on and go work at a hospital where they are. They do see going to the conference and be important. Million percent. They are the hospital, I bet, hospital managers, housekeeping directors, I bet make up the bulk of the members or at least there are a real significant number of the members in IEHA. So healthcare pays for it, just not long-term care. And it's, you know, looking back also, I know things are different now, but even technology, um, using like backpack vacuum cleaners, um, hopefully every long-term care facility has them now. I love, I love, so I was, 
Oh, Rob, too funny. Housekeepers podcast. I thought when you were started to talk about technology, I thought you were going to talk about tablets and apps. And no, you went right to the most basic. Right. Basic. Correct. A backpack vacuum should be a million percent in every nursing home. You know, it isn't. You won't need the, du- won't need the dust. You know, it isn't. <laughs> you know, it isn't. You know, it isn't. You know, it isn't. Like it's like every housekeeper should have their own backpack vacuum cleaner. It's there's oh, no duster. Man. There's no dust. You won't need a dust You won't need a duster. Too funny. Yeah, they still don't have them. They still don't have them. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I did. I was working with a nursing home, and I thought it was pretty ingenious. They did have little dust busters. You know, the bag, the cordless dust busters. Right. And maintenance had attached them to their cart, so they could plug in their cart at night. So when they came in in the morning. Their dust buster was fully, fully, um, fully charged, which is really great. But then, right. you know, of course, nobody ever remembered to plug them in, and it was a whole nightmare and cords breaking and whatever. But the key good. to success with budgets always being the way they will be, and yeah. never changing, um, it's having the technology so you can do your job. Yeah, you and do, uh, you know, trying to clean thirty rooms, or I don't know what's the average housekeeper cleans 25. 25. 25. Yeah, at least have. The right technology, right equipment for them. Yeah, there you're, you're absolutely right. There, we've come a long way. I mean, you'll just look at auto scrubbers, right? Remember, yeah, we didn't even have, we were. <laughs> we weren't even, you know, boost machines. We didn't have anything like that. No. You know, I mean, we didn't even have a carpet extractor back then, <laughs> or a piler, or you know, it, right? It's, it's yeah. So yeah. things have changed, um, and we've, like I said, in my business, they've also changed. So we've we're always evolving. And um, which takes us to, uh, I want to say, around 2009, 2010. The economy crashed. Yeah, 2008 crashed completely. 2008. And then I started feeling it where a lot of the corporate child care chains were going with national companies, national contract cleaning companies that would then, in return, try to just sub out the work to me. Yeah. Which, and it got... Instead of bidding things correctly, they would bid backwards. They would lower the price, lower, lower, lower. And basically, a, a lot of them actually got in trouble because people, um, they were just creating a job for them. I think you heard what happened at Walmart and, you know, some of the other companies. But um, basically, what you know, I, I wrote it out and, uh, you know, started to, between the schools, Started doing public schools, and that went very well. But I, I didn't give up on the child care centers or daycare cleaning. And I tried to franchise daycare cleaning services. Really? I didn't know you tried yeah. to franchise. But, you know, I didn't realize what was involved. So it wasn't uh, wasn't able to sell one franchise. So as much good I could talk to, talk about, I also got failure, which I learned. I was able to write a lot of great manuals on systems and implement them. But the franchise, trying to franchise back in 2012, nobody had money. And I, I was trying to do it the correct way. Um, not basically the person that was making the investment. Uh, they had to purchase equipment. They had to purchase a van. They had to have a uh, side-by-side, a low-speed machine. They had to purchase a high-speed machine. Just basically having the right setup to be successful. Mm-hmm. And, uh well, I was not successful in finding investment <laughs> for that. So, anyway, with that, moved on. 
didn't give up, still had the business, and was able to meet Marcus Lemonis, the prophet. And I don't know if you've seen the video. The video of you. Yeah, we did a video in 2015, 2015. And he tells me, I, I tell him my problems, and it's, it's on um, Inc. Magazine. It's on YouTube. I tell him uh, some of the issues, and I say, I want to expand. And he's like, he goes, Rob, you can. So his advice was, don't just do day child care centers. Do other things, okay? And I'm stubborn, okay? You know, I still don't want to listen. He gives His advice was, instead of driving 100 miles down to Baltimore to go clean one center, focus on things that are in your area, stuff that's 10 miles away, offices, auto dealerships. So, like I said, I'm stubborn a little, so I don't really do anything um, until two years ago, right before COVID. I said, you know what? I'm going to take his advice. And I... It took you three years to take yeah. his advice? Yes. <laughs> I was still focused on the schools with the two companies, so... I'm in the same boat. I have no room to talk. You know, so what I do, I take the initials, DCCS, and I say, well, what does that stand for? said, well, maybe I'll get an alternate name so I don't have to go get new insurance, new this, new that, form a new company. You can get an alternate name. A so DBA, I, yeah? Which I did. And I got, legally, I got an alternate name for DCCS, so everything stays the same. And I started Diversified Contract Cleaning Services. Look at you. That's really great. That's a great use of the initials. Um, and, uh, you know, basically, um going after I'm using that company go after other um, things locally so if the if I can get back in the medical if I could do a dialysis center um, different different built different types of buildings but um, you know it's kind of good that my niche has always been schools especially during uh, covid because a lot of people fail to realize there there are many cleaning companies that went out of business. Yeah, there's a lot of clean there's a lot of companies that went out of business completely during COVID, but right. cleaning cleaning, you would like if, if in other words, if I had a franchise and I my contracts were offices, well we both know. We're not only offices, <laughs> not only offices, but house cleaning. Because everyone was at home. Right. So they're no longer, you know, they, they said two factor. Number one, my kids are not doing a dang thing. So I'm just gonna have them do it. Right. They were afraid to let somebody in their house. That's the other part of it. The other part of it is there's no alone time. You know, normally you hire a housekeeper to come in once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, whatever it is. Right. But they come when you're not there. They come right. when you're not there. And, right. and that wasn't happening during COVID. So, so um, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, what's, what's interesting is uh, about your journey. And that is, it's such a great example of how powerful this industry is the cleaning industry is the seventh largest industry in the world right it, it is massive and it's everywhere and so anybody that's why when i'm when i'm talking with somebody about you know they're a really good strong housekeeping manager in a nursing home which is normally people i'm talking to i say what's your side hustle and and when they say i don't have one i think what a missed opportunity what are you doing with your life <laughs> <laughs> right. Get out there on a Saturday. You know, you're already cleaning I mean, anyway. The, the, the whole thing is I learned it was a great entry level job. I learned a, I learned I learned a great in, about a great industry. Yeah. And um, I learned 
if I apply what I learn elsewhere, I can uh, be successful. So here it is. It's, good Lord, almost 20 years later, right? Well, it is 20 years later since you started your side hustle, right? Right. What have you, what are your big takeaways? You know, other than, I mean, I know you said, I wish I knew and I was actively involved in these other organizations that supported companies like ours. Right. Other than that, like what, what are you, what's challenging you now? What are you facing now? What's your biggest? Um, definitely facing uh, health employees. And again, we talk about how things evolve and I shifted. I, when I started out, I would use subcontractors. Then I shifted everything to employees. Employees, you know, now it's kind of like if I can't find employees, I need to go back to shifting where I'm going to hire a small mom and pop janitorial company and help them grow their business. So are you, did you, why did you switch from the, why did you switch from having 1099 employees, right? Like a little JC, a little general contractor. Regulate me while becoming knowledge. Actually, finding out about the BSA, BSCAI, finding out about ISSA, starting to read their knowledge, starting to read their books, and realizing, hey, what what is a true subcontractor? You know, what makes a true subcontractor? Because if that sub only has one account and they're only with you and it's one employee, well, they're really not a subcontractor, and the government views it as uh, you know illegal subcontracting. So. The, the, the shift was, let's get all regular employees. Got let's it. be compliant. That, and, you know, and we're talking, you know, this was uh, almost 14 years ago. So, you know, wanted to do things correctly. Because when you do things correctly, now you're able to bid on the correct contracts. Yeah, of course. You know, course. And, you know we go head to head with like an hour mark or a service master. You know, so we're, we're there. We're you know, and it's basically it's uh, doing things correctly. But with the small contracts, um, it is hard to find good staff. OK, um, we've we've done everything from Indeed, Craigslist, the Facebook, uh, tried recruiting uh, from colleges as well. Um, most successful person, though, that we do find has been someone that already has a full time job. It's always that, isn't it? It's and the best that. way for my business is someone that actually has worked in a healthcare environment, healthcare setting. Because one, I don't really need to train them when the training's been already done yeah. by you know, the nursing home or the hospital. I mean, they know their stuff. And uh, having them work for us as like their second job, okay, to help put their kids through college or who wants to save for a vacation. They like it because when they're doing that evening clean, they're able pretty much to make their own hours versus if they were working at Walmart or Target or, you know, Wawa. I mean, they're able to say, okay, tonight I want to go in at seven. It's just me and my husband. We do the clean from seven to 11 or tomorrow we're going to go in at eight. So that's, that's a big uh, perk. Yeah. It's funny that, you know, it's that whole adage where it's easier to to speed up or change the direction of a rolling stone than it is to get a rolling stone moving in the first place. Right. And it's the same thing with staff, right? I mean, it's it's hard to find it's hard to convince somebody to get off the couch. But if yeah. they're already off the couch, it's not it's a little easier to convince them to take a second job. <laughs> Correct. Correct. It's 
It's it's crazy. You know, at ISSA this year at the National Convention in Vegas in November, if you guys are just hearing hearing about it, we it is officially going to be live and in person. It's going to be a great event. There's going to be an amazing speaker there. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, there, you know, it, it's so fun that, you know, for years, there's always companies there with robots doing cleaning, right. doing floor care. And, and it's just that's it's just getting more and more. I mean, I've never thought of this before, but I can totally see how valuable a, a, what are those things called? The, the little robo things that car, that's vacuum for you. What are they called? The little carpet robots. Right. <laughs> Roomba, a Roomba. Okay. I can totally see how valuable it would be. Like if I owned a house cleaning company, I would buy a Roomba <laughs> and, I would just, you know, set it, turn it on, and go clean the kitchen while it goes and vacuums the house for right, me. Right, right. Because it's so challenging to find staff, to find help. Yes, unfortunately it is. And, you know, it, it, it can't be about the money. It's, you know, because unfortunately janitorial doesn't pay what it really, what it should. Well, customers just, customers don't pay what, Correct. That's and, and customers are going to dictate price, right? So I mean, I could say, hey, I'm going to pay all of my housekeepers forty dollars an hour, and then I go bid it, and, and I'm over by eight million dollars. <laughs> like, and right. I never get a contract. So, right. Um, unfortunately, they uh, we see where they still do go. Too many, not everybody, but still too many people go with the lowest bid, and uh, you know, it, it's going to it comes back every time to. Uh, haunt them when they do that. Yeah. And you know what that's, you know, what's interesting about that is big contract service companies, big, I'm not going to mention any specifically, but big right. national contract service companies that do cleaning, housekeeping, they are more than willing to lose money on a bid to take it from somebody else. And right. in the short term or not short term, because I don't think it's ever a good idea, but I, I, I understand the mentality of it. What they what they failed to see is not the consequence. Here's here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. And I and I learned this the hard way. To be completely right. transparent, I learned this the hard way. I was a I was in charge of selling housekeeping and laundry business for a long time. Right. And I would come up against I would find a home or a service that was being provided by one of my competitors. And I was told and I eagerly went after doing ain't like literally bid the position, bid the jobs where it cost us money rather than, you know what I mean? Like we would do it for even a, we even if it cost us money to get the account. Here's the challenge with that though. And something I totally didn't look at is we treated it as we pay, as we, as we, as we sold it for. So if we sold it for a lot of money, we treated it like a very valuable account. If we sold it for very little money, we treated it like it was a very little account. Right. And it would hurt us so bad in the end. Our reputation would be so marred or it would, it, the, the, the accounts that we bid the smallest amount of money on, you know, just to get the account, it would take all of our attention. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> that account would be the squeakiest wheel you ever heard in your whole life. Right. You'd be like, I'm making 6%. On an account that takes eighty percent of my time, you know. Here's here's going to be a shocker. Now I understand that. First thing, I think every account needs to be treated the same. 
Well, of course. Of course. It doesn't, it's not, though. Here's, as, a as a business owner, and I didn't realize this until after having the business, what would be the benefit of me doing an account that I'm going to make zero money? Okay? I'm going to tell you. Go ahead. So I'm able to establish an area. I'm able to start putting staff in a building. So now, once I take that account, say, in um, Reading, Pennsylvania, isn't that where you're from or close? No, I live in Allentown. Allentown. Okay, close. close. I was close with no cigar. Yeah. Um, okay, so say I went Allentown. Okay? Yeah. I'm going to get the account. Lehigh Valley, by the way. Right. Lehigh, Lehigh Valley, by the way, ton of healthcare. Right, right. Ton of nursing homes. Lehigh Valley yeah. Hospital is an amazing hospital. That's a huge campus, too. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so I'm going to take the account. I'm not going to make anything. But now what people fail to realize is the in behind the scenes cost, the cost of hiring someone. So by me taking that account, even though I'm not making anything initially off of that account, I'm starting to put my quality people in that account. Now I'm able to start. I could do an outstanding job. And now I'm going to market the hell out of that area. So I can make money from building two, three, or four down the road. So I, it's... I completely agree with you because it's I, a lost leader. Yes, but I didn't realize that until I had my own business down yeah. the road. Like, like my partner would say, we don't have no business being in Westchester. We can't do work up in Monmouth County. We don't, we don't belong outside of Atlanta County because... That's how cleaning companies were back then. Each county had its own, you know, mom and pop cleaning company. And that was in the 60s and 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way, that's who you dealt with, you know? It used to be the tank of gas theory, right? You need to, uh, you would never drive to where you need another tank of gas. It's always a... So, um, you know, I think that's the... No, so I completely agree with you. And and I, I love that you're challenging the perspective from a business owner point of view. But when you're... I was working for a national company and, and the, the people who would run these operations got paid based on the percentage of profit. Right. And right. if you're going into a 0% profit facility, meaning they're not, they're not going to get any bang for their buck for going in extra. They don't get extra money because they sell another account down the street. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was their biggest challenge. No, I, I understand. It doesn't, it doesn't do the operations people any justice. It just makes their job harder. Yeah. That's because, what I mean. You know, middle management is like, okay, well we lost again this month. What are we going to do? What can we do? Can't, can't you get the manager to become the floor guy or, <laughs> or floor person, I should say. You know what? I just wrote a column. I don't know if I'm going to put it out tomorrow or next week, but I just wrote a column called you can't be on both first and third. You can't no. play first base and third base. And too many times that's what they're asking house team managers to do nowadays. Can you manage and be in a job position? And the answer is no, I can be in a job right. position, but somebody else is going to have to manage right. it. And you know, that happened to me. It, obviously it happens in the smaller buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the difference when I, when I was in West Philly, the 400 bed, you were strictly a manager. There was no, no way was I able to be any type of do hands. Of course. Of course. Um, but when I worked in the smaller buildings, it was very hard for me to do the, um, quality control inspections because, um, uh, they had me in a routine on weekends. Like, Hey, if you have to work Saturday and Sunday, you're going to pull the linen and you know. 
mop all the hallways. Yeah, which which again, <laughs> which again, again, I completely understand it, but you just have to know that you can't play first and third. I like that line. You can't, you, you can't, you can't get away with playing first and second, and they're right beside each other. <laughs> you know I mean? Correct. That's really a good way to put it. You, you can't you can't play both positions, and it, which is fine. You know, with staffing shortages nowadays, and you're asking, you know, let's say to your housekeeping manager, listen, I'm going to need you to put you in a job position. Fine, then you take over the management of the job. Don't leave that on that housekeeping manager. Hopefully, with technology today, where you know just the time clock back then versus the time management system today. Yeah, a million percent different. Back then, it would take the manager five hours just to... Just to do payroll. You know, you'd have them cards and try and figure everything out. Monday morning payroll. And, and uh change the clock at the end of the month because there's only 30 days or, you know, so... Oh, uh, the good old days of payroll audits, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but now with technology, maybe the manager is able to do different things. Yeah, yeah, um, no question. So. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, I have been looking forward to talking with you. I'm so impressed with your story and and how you Thank just you. went out there and just made it happen. I think it's super great. I know you, you're, you have a ask, right? Like, what are you, what, what are you looking for? How can people get a hold of you? If somebody's looking for a job and they live in Jersey, can they come and find you? How do they? Yes, uh, two, actually, a few things during COVID. Some of the positive things it allowed us to do was I. Cha changed our websites. So I changed the daycarecleaningservices.com website. I changed education, efm-usa.com and also diversifiedcontractcleaning.com. And I made things like under opportunity. I put an opportunity section. Okay. And this is something for every business. What is our hiring process? So now it's like on the actual, whether I'm hiring on Indeed or Craigslist, I have people, direct people right to the website first. And when they go to our website, one, they get to read about our company, but two, when they're filling, they could fill out their general information, whether they're going to be a service provider or an employee. Then we get the information. We look at it. Now, the next step, contact the person, uh, do a Zoom or an on-site interview, okay? They still haven't filled out the employee packet because... A lot of people don't understand. There's the uh, application, okay? And now, after they're hired, here's the employee packet. Years ago, as we all know, we would just give them, here's the employee packet. Take it home. Take it Bring home. Bring it back. Right. <laughs> but we're, we're, so we're evolving, and that's like part of our system. So now, like I said, COVID was able to allow me to redo our websites. And here's one for you, and if you get a chance, take a look on the websites, we put our pictures this time on it. We don't just have, like, I got my picture on the website. I got the stamp. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> somebody said, what you do, hire actors or models? No, that's the actual staff. That's awesome. So, you know, it sets us aside, and people say, um, hey, we, liked, we really liked your website because we saw that there was real people. It wasn't the same person that's on you know the other company's website that yeah, they yeah, yeah. picture over and over again so uh we've we've tried to take advantage of the time um we were we were never shut down which is positive and the contracts that we did lose we made up 
by getting new ones, whether, we were, whether we were offering sprays, um, electric spraying. Are you guys doing that? Are you doing like the 360? Do you have the Clorox machines? The you know, fibers? I was, I wanted to buy the Clorox 360 about three years ago. <laughs> Everybody said you're crazy. And I wanted, the, my plan for the Clorox 360 was to purchase it. I bought the lab coat and I wanted to look like the eco lab guy. <laughs> the laundry. Yes, yeah. I'm going to be the Clorox guy. I love Which it. I didn't. Um, what happened? I was trying to contact Clorox to get them to um, give me marketing information and could, how can I become a certified Clorox 360 provider? Because I realized this is prior pre-COVID. I realized the sales reps, whether they were from Philip Rosenthal or Imperial Date or Supply Works. They weren't selling a lot of them in the beginning because nobody wanted to pay the 5000 Yeah. I said, I don't have a problem paying, but I want to be the provider. I want Clorox to say, Rob, Rob's company is our certified provider. Yeah, super smart. I can never, I can never talk to anybody from Clorox. So I never went and purchased it, but we did buy uh, – the victory sprayers, uh, electrostatic sprayers, and um, different different types. And we did a lot of spraying. Um, in New Jersey, uh, they were giving out grants to different child care centers, which was good because that's my industry. And they were giving the um, different schools, allowing them to apply for grant money that they could use for janitorial. So that also oh, very cool. So. It's not like, uh, like I said, I was able to hold my own. It's not like we made this big fortune or, you know, and like some, what upset me about that, this, and I got to say, during the pandemic, you had companies coming out of the woodwork that had no business to be in the janitorial business. In the school business, I, you're saying? Any type of janitor, like the restoration companies. It's like, come on, you know, and they were charging customers crazy amounts. Like, like, you know, I'm charging my customer $300, something, <laughs> you know, and they're charging uh, $3,000 to go over places. Like, and, you know, they're wearing the, um, you know, the suits and uh, all the, <laughs> the hazmat like, suits. Like, yeah, like it's ET. And it, like, you know, it was upsetting after a while. Like, and I was like trying to, look, I, I'm wearing all the hats here. I don't know all the answers. Okay. Which products better than which? Okay, we tried we tried different ones. Mostly, we go by with what our um, sales reps tell us uh, that we buy from that are that are reputable that we know for twenty years. But like to see these companies out there and whatever they were trying to sell, like this product's good, it's going to last for six months, and <laughs> it was you know it was just cra crazy. But you know, we were able to hold our own. We're still here. And that's, you know, we're looking forward to uh, continuing our services. And you're and you're looking for, if I can just circle back, you are looking for both general contractors and employees, right? At this point, yeah. are you looking for both? Both. both. Yeah, awesome. And when we and say general contractors, we're looking for, what we look for is a mom and pop cleaning company. We're not well, looking 1099, for- 1099, a 1099. Anybody I'll who- They're all 1099s, but- um, a mom and pop cleaning company, meaning the owner of the cleaning company is actually on site. Yeah, the one cleaning. Yeah. Yes. So we're Who not a solopreneur option operation. Correct. Correct. So as well as employees, part time employees, and you know, like I said, uh, 
feather in everyone's cap in housekeeping, but they're always the best. Yeah. You know, they, they know housekeepers that work in hospitals and healthcare environments. They know how to clean. Yeah. They, they definitely are cut above the, above the, well, they, you know, they have, they have access to standards and training that most people don't outside that industry, you know, in the cleaning industry anyway. Right. And it's, you know, and it's education. It's just yeah. that, you know, we've seen it over the past, like just 10, 11 years I've been involved with ISSA. We're like, why aren't these other companies here? Why aren't they sending? Look, it, not everybody can get to Vegas, but you know, when they have it in Baltimore, you know, I'm there. I love going down. Yeah, of course. You know, Baltimore, each area, even uh, New Jersey has its own. New Jersey has buildings and grounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know. and of course, you're still looking for clients. O- always looking new clients. Yes, more customers. Well, more is not always great. No, I know it isn't. Bigger is not. But you know, I learned. Uh, you know, and again, it comes with um, experience. But you know, so I had to learn the hard way. Big is not always better because. You could be doing five million a year, and what good is it if you're not making anything? Yeah, you're not. You're not gonna be able to keep any of it. That's not. That's there's, not helpful. There's a fella, one of the uh, one of the fellows from Inc. Magazine. His name was Bo Burningham. He wrote um, something small giants or something like that. He wrote a book that you know, there's small giants, I think was the name. <laughs> That's a pretty good title. Meaning like yeah. the smaller companies that are, are dominating because of their size. Yes. You know, yeah. like, like I know people in our industry, they might only have like they do. I'll, I'll give you an example. They might have five employees and they're making great money and they're just doing tag work. Meaning they're just doing the stripping and waxing. That's mm-hmm. all they do. Mm-hmm. Where they're just doing carpet cleaning. Yeah. Versus, you know, I'm I'm doing I'm taking a cleaning contract. I'm charging say fifteen hundred a month, and you know I'm only making maybe two hundred. Yeah. Versus, I could be uh, doing that one time job and making five hundred. Yep. So. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. So, you know, I I think you and I think it's. Uh, you got to be diversified. You got to do take a little bit of each. You got to have your steady contracts, your Monday to Friday contracts. And then you also got to get your uh, tag work in as well. Monthly reoccurring revenue and then still have a side hustle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my side, my side hustle is U-Haul. Really? I started um, when we bought the, we bought this property 10 years ago. Oh, so are you on like a main drag? We're on a main drag. Oh, there you go. So uh, we bought our, we're, we're right off of, Route 70 in Cherry Hill, and um, we have this nice lot. And what we, I found out that you could, you know, U-Haul will give you their trucks for free. You just got to manage, you know, it's all computer now. Yeah, of course, but that's pretty fantastic. Um, you know, it's just just extra income. It's not yeah. a lot, but you know, if you yeah. can make an extra thousand a month, I would take an extra thousand a month. Uh, I I think we need it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They, no question. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm, I'm again, just really excited and happy that you're able to come on and share your story because I think it's really important. Uh, and th- thank you. I've been long overdue. And yeah, definitely. We've known each other for a long time. We've, uh, yeah. We met at a ISSA convention. I don't know where. Chicago, maybe. Maybe Orlando. Who knows? Your 
but you just released your book. I I, yeah. So 2014, I just re- wrote my first book and yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Four books later. Look at us, right? Yeah. So sadly, the cleanest hour in podcasting is over. Went a little bit over today. Not a big deal because it was super fun and engaging. If you liked what you saw and heard today, make sure you subscribe and tell everybody about the Housekeepers Podcast. Share the love. Other than that, thank you everybody for everything. And I will see you, oh my gosh, on Thursday. We're doing the podcast twice a week now. That's how popular we've become in a very short amount of time. So be sure to tune in again, 4 p.m. on Thursday. See you guys later.